this one downfield. Beckham got him. Touchdown, Browns. That was one heck of a throw right there by Baker Mayfield. He rolls out to his left, and to be able to set his feet, the double move on the outside creates the separation, and he's he's by him by four steps. And now it's a matter of whether or not Baker can load up and get it out there far enough before the catch-up, and that's a, that's a great route and a great throw by Baker. A man named Harvey Dent once said, it's always darkest before the dawn, and boy, last Sunday was dark. I mean, no one expected the Browns to take down the juggernaut that is the Baltimore Ravens, but Baker Mayfield's performance in that game was as alarming of any in his career. The double clutching, the inability to get past his first read, balls thrown behind his receivers. Felt like 2019 all over again. And with just four days to prepare for week two, no one had any idea what to expect from the guy we all thought was finally the solution to the black hole that is the quarterback position in Cleveland. But Thursday night came, and finally, the sun rose. If Mayfield didn't look entirely like his 2018 self, it was about as close of an impression as we've seen. He was decisive with the ball, leading the offense with that type of, boys, we're going out tonight, energy that I thought was lost. The cherry on top was a deep ball off play action to OBJ for a touchdown in the second quarter. Brought a tear to my eye. So who is Baker Mayfield? Was Thursday night a sign of things to come or just a blip against a wildly inferior opponent? I pointed out in week one how he was kind of hesitant. He wasn't pulling the trigger. But play action kind of like, it helps a quarterback. He doesn't have to read the field as much. He could just, you know, read one defender. If he bites on the run, you throw it over his head. And I think you saw that last night. So I think last night was a good sign for not only Baker Mayfield, but Kevin Stefanski. Like, this is the offense I think we're going to see going forward. That's Steven Ruiz, lead NFL writer at For the Win. Steven spent part of this week breaking down Baker's performance against the Ravens on Twitter. It was a tough watch. I was curious what Steven thought of Baker after his game against the Bengals, and if it changed who he thought Mayfield was as a QB, and really the Browns' prospects for the 2020 season. I think the first question I wanted to ask you, you did on Twitter, and if you're not following Steven on Twitter, you absolutely should be. Um, You were breaking down a little bit of Baker Mayfield after that Ravens game um, on Sunday, and just how he was really bad and um, how he was not sort of hitting open reads and sort of double clutching and a lot of stuff. And so I think my first question to you is I wanted to ask if like last Sunday against the Ravens was sort of the worst version of Baker Mayfield. um, What was, what was Baker Mayfield last night? I thought Baker Mayfield last night was what we all expected him to be in Kevin Stefanski's offense. Like we, that's what we were expecting to see in week one, but we didn't, I, I don't think they threw a lot of play action in week one. They did fall behind early, but like the nerds have showed us that, uh, play action works even if you don't have to establish the run, even if there's not a threat of the run. So I think it's, it, that kind of offense kind of hides his weaknesses. Like I, like you said, I pointed out in week one how he was kind of hesitant. He wasn't pulling the trigger. But play action kind of like it helps a quarterback. He doesn't have to read the field as much. He could just, you know, read one defender. If he bites on the run, you throw it over his head. And I think you saw that last night. So I think last night was a good sign for not only Baker Mayfield, but Kevin Stefanski. Like this is the offense I think we're going to see going forward. Yeah, I would agree with you. It was – I feel like the biggest adjustment – that anyone made from week one to week two was Kevin Stefanski. I know they got down, I know they got down early in Baltimore, but honestly in the first half, I mean, they were pretty much in it until, right. um, that Odell drop on third and two. And then they ended up, 
um, missing a field goal, and that sort of swung the entire game. But that was, you know, up until that point, and even for most of that second quarter, they were still in the game, but they were they really weren't running the sort of plays and sort of offensive scheme that I think all of us thought Kevin Stefanski mm-hmm. would be doing in that first half against the Ravens. And then obviously um, the second half, everything kind of went out the window because they got down so big. But to me, like watching last night, the offense looked um, completely different. And, and it's, it's a little strange because it was a short week. Like I didn't think they were really going to be able to, you know, whether it was installing more stuff or coming up with a, a more complex game plan. Like it was really fascinating to me to see the sort of change in offense from week one to week two. Yeah, and it seemed like they really put an emphasis on it. Like, I think the first two plays were play-action fakes, bootlegs, getting them outside of the pocket. So, And that's really, like, the base of Kevin Stefanski's offense. So I don't know if it was really something they had to adjust midweek. I actually expected to see it just because of the short week. Like, we go back to our base offense. Like, this is the stuff we they probably worked on week one, day one of training camp. I actually thought the opposite was true for week one. Like, maybe he tried to get a little – uh, a little too complex against a Ravens defense where maybe you do have to do that because it just presents so many challenges against a Bengals defense. You can kind of just fall back on, on your base concepts. For sure. And I, I do think that is sort of the caveat that we, you know, moving forward and they'll play, you know, Washington next week. And um, well, I think the positive of that is sort of, you know, a lot of people call it like a get right game or, you right. know, a lot of people, I think about basketball when it, when a good team is struggling and then they play somebody like the Wizards and <laughs> they get their Oh offense, no, I'm a know, Wizards right? fan. How oh, no, dare I'm you? sorry. I take it back. I take it back. Um, let me, like the Cavs, my basketball team. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it felt a little bit like a get right game against the Bengals and that they'll sort of have that opportunity, although, you know, there's a, there's Chase Young and Josh Sweat on that, on that Washington line. So, I mean, you know, they'll, it'll be a little bit of a, a steeper ask for them, but I still think it's a get right game before they play, you know, they'll play the Cowboys and that'll be really interesting. But, um, it is a caveat with that Bengals defense, um, that missed so, so many tackles, especially in the run game. And I, you know, you saw that interception from Baker late, um, in the red zone, really, a about the the worst kind of interception you can throw is they were both trying to run down the clock and they were in position to at least kick a field goal, um, sort of let the Bengals kind of back into the game with that interception. And it was another example, and I think you pointed this out as well, and I think a lot of people are starting to recognize this, of Baker just not seeing people when he throws interceptions, just like not seeing a defender at all. And a lot of times it's been, um, you know, when they – drop somebody unexpected into coverage this sort of felt like the safety kind of was just right there and just came over like is that a sort of I think for me last night for all the positives there was still like that I still think about that interception and how it's it it sort of still feels like a pattern for him in terms of he just when he throws these picks he's just for whatever reason not completely not seeing a defender do you does that pick sort of alarm you in terms of like his 2019 season and what we saw against the Ravens as well. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you bring up a good point that when I look back at that pick, it was the corner, like the corner wasn't supposed to be there, but he didn't have any responsibility. So he had the freedom to kind of drop off and and undercut that pass. And I think that is like a common theme with Baker's interceptions is that he plays things by the book and you know, the defense, the picture they present before the snap isn't going to be the picture they present after it. And and defenders aren't always going to react like you expect them to react. And that was the case on that interception. I think it was the case on the first interception against Baltimore where Calais Campbell kind of dropped out from uh, the defensive line and undercut a pass. 
And it goes back to all the way to week one last year against the Titans. He, those kind of pressures were just giving him all types of trouble. I think he, he threw like three interceptions on him. So, yeah, I think you made a great point. Like that's a continuation of a theme we saw all the way last year. And yeah, it's kind of alarming. I, I think that that last night's game was a, a good sign for this season, but I don't know if it was a great sign for, for his career going forward because it kind of showed you that to get the best out of him, you kind of got to put him in an offense that holds his hand a little bit, like a Jared Goff type quarterback. And that's, I don't think that's the expectations Browns fans had after that 2018 year when, when he was so good in the second half. Yeah, it certainly isn't. Um, and that, that leads me to sort of wanting to ask you, was because 2018 now feels like such a um, an outlier a little bit in terms of, you know, this rookie quarterback, especially he comes in when Tyrod gets hurt. So, you know, that Jets defense, that first game had seen none of him. And then, you know, that's sort of how it goes for most of the season until teams are able to kind of compile a good amount of film on him. And that that sort of feels like I mean, there was a lot going on in 2019, both with him and, and the coaching staff and everything like that. But do you think 2018, like, do we have enough information on Baker now to say that 2018 was more of a product of, like, just defenses not knowing what he was good at and what the sort of offense that when Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator, they sort of built around him. Um, and now that, like, defenses know, you know, that sort of offense and how he succeeds and they took that away from him, especially in 2019, like, do we feel we have enough information to, yeah, to say that, like, moving forward, like, the, the kind of quarterback Baker is is a guy that's, like, going to have to have everything sort of go perfectly around him and, and sort of have an offense that's really, really tailored to the the couple things that he's really good at? Yeah, I think so. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Sure. Like, as le- there's quarterbacks that do have perfect systems around them and perfect and, like, a good supporting cast, and they're still bad. I think Baker, if everything – if like the team he has around him is pretty good right now. And I think this is the perfect system for him. I think he could be like a top 15 quarterback, maybe not crack the top 10, but he could be in that 10 to 15 range. And that's good enough. If you, if you keep building around him, but you go back to 2018, I think part of it was the newness of the offense. No one knew what to expect out of kitchens. He had never been a play caller before. Then the newness of Baker, he was a rookie. And I think he had some, some luck, in a way, I think he was PFF's like number one graded quarterback on tight window throws. And mm-hmm. apparently that is not sustainable year to year. Like it's very volatile for, for players. What you do in one year doesn't really tell you what you're going to do the next year. And that you saw that regression last year, those, those tight window throws, which were completions in 2018 turned it into interceptions in 2019. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think, too, I think about 2018, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about defenses dropping kind of unexpected guys into those passing lanes that I think in 2018 were wide open. Like, I remember a lot of – they ran a lot of – and I don't know if it was an RPO or if they called it something else, but essentially I think it might have been a pass all the way, but Baker would sort of fake the handoff in shotgun and then whip a pass, whether it was a slant or just something that was, like, quickly open in the seam – um, and in 2018, I remember him completing a ton of those. And then in 2019, like, I think defenses made a very distinct decision to we're going to start dropping guys in those passing lanes. And you saw a ton of interceptions um, because he was just still throwing that pass. Like, he just wasn't really making any adjustments. And it almost was like, oh, is he just not, you know, that's his read, that's his play. And it's sort of like when he has to adjust, he didn't really do it. So yeah, it is interesting to me to – him going forward see if he becomes a quarterback that can 
sort of make those adjustments or if that's always going to kind of be his Achilles heel. But like you said, because he maybe has a coach now and an offense around him that is sort of going to be tailored to that skill set, that we're going to hopefully see more of what we saw sort of last night as they move forward. Yeah, I think so. And I think the RPO point is a good one. Uh, he obviously came from Oklahoma's offense, Lincoln Riley. They have a lot of that stuff where he's either handing the ball off or pulling it and quickly throwing it. So that was probably what they were doing in 2018. And then 2019, 2019, I saw some RPOs, but it really seemed like he was hesitant on them. Like, I saw a lot of plays where he misread an RPO, which, I mean, he'd been playing in that kind of system since college, and he had never really had a problem with that. So I, I don't really know what happened and where it turned. And like you said, defense is adjusted in that, and he never really adjusted himself. But I think this system is going to, like, hide all those issues, and that's what he needs, and that's okay. And if Stefanski can stick to what he did last night, it's it's probably easier against the Bengals than it is against a top-level AFC team, and that's the teams you want to beat if you're Cleveland. Uh, if he could just stick with it, I think they're going to be fine this year. Yeah, and I, I think you do, like, you see throws like that one to Odell where he's on the move. He quickly sort of flips his hips and can just launch a, a dime like that. Like that throw got me excited. That's a throw he was making in 2018. Like I tweeted this, but it reminded me of that pretty absurd touchdown pass he had to Jarvis Landry against the Panthers. This was an even better throw in 2018, yeah. but same rollout, same sort of, he quickly saw who was open and, and flipped the hips and just launched a, a perfect pass downfield. And so you see like that is a throw that I, you know, I don't know how many, you know, QB, like a, a tier of QB making that throw, I don't think is a ton in the NFL. So you, you do see stuff like that and that gets you excited. And I think, um, like you mentioned, like Stefanski just getting him out of the pocket, like designed rollouts and things of that nature, I think are going to be really huge for him. Um, I, I have a, this is the most important question of this, this podcast is, and I need you to be very honest with me. Do you, do you chuckle at Baker's progressive commercials? I need, I need to know, do you secretly deep down like them or, or are you a person that, that hates them? I liked them last year. I liked his commercials last year, but. At a certain point, you kind of get tired of them. And then when he's not playing well, you're like, oh, I don't know if this dude should have commercials. But I think they're fine commercials. I think he's his agent or whoever's reading those scripts for him is doing a decent job. It's just a little overwhelming for me. Yeah, they're doing a decent job. I, I just don't understand. Like, Progressive must have spent some – there's like seven per game. Like, I don't understand. Right. <laughs> they're, they're running so many commercials. And now he's he's got Jedrick Wills in them too. Like, he pulled Jedrick into it uh, in one of his latest ones. Jedrick makes a cameo. It's just – you know, he's, he's trying the pole of Baker. He's going to, the whole team's going to be in his progressive commercials and it's going to be. When, when are we going to get the Kyler commercials? That's what I want. You can make I, some height jokes. <laughs> I feel like a commercial for Pampers. That'd be great. Kyler's personality though. Like sometimes when he talks, it's just like, did you just, you just woke up from a nap. Like, every time, every time he does an interview, he's just kind that of, is well, true. yeah, we did this and we did that. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think eventually, like, anybody that sort of has a connection to Baker is going to get, like, slowly pulled into this progressive commercial, and it's just going to um, sort of take over. Uh, Stephen, kind of lastly for you, and, again, appreciate um, you coming on to chat, but, like, as you look, kind of taking what you saw last night, stuff you've seen from Baker, you know, last season, his rookie year, all of that, um, like, do you feel similar about where you were with the Browns thinking about them this preseason um, through two games and really polar opposite games, one game where he was just abysmal and a game where, you know, for the most part, he played really well. Like, are your sort of 
predictions for what the Browns are going to be this season the same, or have they changed a little bit um, in these two games from what you've seen? No, I'm right where I was. I picked them to go eight and eight and to actually sneak into the playoffs with that record. And everybody's going to look bad against Baltimore. And my one concern was, will Baker look more comfortable in this new offense? And then after week one, obviously I was like, whoa, he did not look comfortable in it. But now after week two, we have more evidence. He looked a lot more comfortable. He was pulling the trigger on passes. He was finding open guys. I think the offense is going to be just fine. It really comes down to the defense. And yeah, I think they're an eight and eight team. I still think they're the third best team in that division, but you never know what's going to happen with Ben. And if Ben, you know, doesn't play well going forward or he gets hurt, I think Cleveland could be second place and could get a wild card spot. I tried to speak Ben being washed into existence. With <laughs> we all did. Uh, I tried so hard and I was really helping it work out. It did not. Um, also, lastly, because I just thought of this and it made me laugh, you posted – this was something you were posting in uh, when you were breaking down some film of Baker in that Ravens game, But and I noticed it last night. When he throws the ball, like, as hard as he can, it really does like he's about to – like, his ankle is going to completely, like, twist off of his foot. And I kept noticing that last night. Like, his his what right foot is, like, yeah. almost, like, completely, like, 180, like, facing the opposite end zone. It's insane. It looks like it hurts. Like, how does that not hurt? I, is, he's going to sprain his ankle one of these throws. He's going to sprain it without anyone touching him. Like, what happened? Like, I don't know, man. I just, I, like, I don't know where that mechanic came from and if that's something he's had his entire career, but now I can't stop looking at it. Yeah, it's it's awful to watch. It's uncomfortable for me to watch. It's very uncomfortable. Well, um, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you joining me again, uh, Stephen Ruiz, lead NFL writer at For the Win. Stephen, what's your, your Twitter handle? Because on this very serious note, follow Stephen. He's, uh, he's wonderful. I'm at the Stephen Ruiz. That's R-U-I-Z for the last name. I'm the only Stephen Ruiz, apparently. <laughs> like in the you I'm are the only one that matters, apparently. Yeah, no, no, but <laughs> someone had my someone has the Stephen Ruiz uh handle and they haven't tweeted in like five years, so I'm very upset that that's taken. That, that's absolutely the worst. Have you DM'd them? Have you have you gotten in contact with their people? No. I don't think they have people. <laughs> they have right, like well, five followers. So. Okay, great. Well, one day, one day that handle will be yours. Uh, again, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yep, anytime.